Están escuchando el viaje medianoche con el gran Guillermo. Este sinofilo lo va a llevar fantasmal por mías y mías. Night Ride. I am Carl Bresden. Joining me, the other half of the Clam Chowder Connection, <laughs> Matt Suzaka. Matt, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Excellent. Um, we are covering... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm very clammy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, we're covering 1985's Tenement by director Roberta Finley. Um, so we'll get right into it. A drug-selling and violent street gang terrorized the renters of a big, trashy apartment house. And I guess that's pretty accurate by all measures. What would you say, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's about as perfect a description as because that's essentially what the film is from beginning to end. So Tenement is directed by, as you mentioned, Roberta Finlay, and she's directed uh, uh, quite a few exploitation films, and she's pretty well known for that. She's also directed a lot of pornography, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and speaking of clams... Uh, it's it's, what, it's 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 one of the movies that stood out in her IMDb is called The Clam Digger's Daughter, which sounds pretty moist. So it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. So 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 she's a pretty well known director in the exploitation world, and uh, I think that's an interesting thing, especially considering this is such a vicious and vile movie overall. Um, so you know, as you mentioned, the film is basically it's a bunch of street punks who are have overtaken a ten, uh, an apartment building, and the mm-hmm. people who are living in the apartment building. They don't want them there, obviously, because you know they're, they they don't want to be robbed and attacked all the time. So, they, uh, the the police get called on them from uh, the uh, the the landlord or the the tenant called. I think his name's Rojas. Rojas, uh, what a f- yeah. fucking uh, prick. Yeah, Ugh. well, you, <laughs> before you go too far, because because Rojas, you know, you have this sleazy, disgusting gang. Well, he's probably just as sleazy and grosser than anyone in the gang. He, he's he's a real dirtball himself, but. So so he calls the cops on them because he's tired of them, you know, you know, squatting in the basement of this uh, this uh, apartment complex, mm-hmm. and this kind of sets them off because they, they get arrested and they're not very happy about about that. So they're going to come back and you know take back what's theirs. So what I really enjoy is like right off the bat, you get an introduction to the gang and uh, they're in the basement, and you have Chaco who is the leader of the gang and. Uh, He's introduced as he uh, he's doing coke off of a switchblade, off the tip of a switchblade, which is yeah. really brilliant. And then you have uh, the, the the female of the group Chula, 
who's just sitting there like spread eagle and just you know playing with knives or whatever else and then uh, another character stabs a rat and then starts like playing with the rat and sticking it in Chula's face and stuff like that so it's it, right, right, right away you, you kind of know what you're in for with this street gang this great looking street gang um <clears throat> so the basically after after the um the street gang gets arrested they come back to take back their their apartment complex it's it's basically a game of survival for the people who live in the apartment complex and uh the, the people who live there are a pretty diverse group you know you have a mm-hmm. lot of different ethnicities you have a lot of different types of people you have children i think this is kind of an interesting thing as far as victims because you have uh, a blind man you have you know a pregnant woman elderly couple um animals kids you, you have a lot of potential victims yeah the whole Um, it's it's a very sort of well-rounded cross-section of the types of people you would find in an area Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 very true to what the the, exactly the kind of people you would find living in such a such a terrible place because it should be said that this this tenement is a real shithole it's in a i think it's uh south bronx is where it's set and this is the 80s and it's south bronx and it looks like you know it's been hit by a bulldozer and their their apartment, you know, it's not very nice. No, so actually, one of the one of the things that that struck me about this film is that even though it was made in the mid eighties, it it very much feels like maybe a late seventies film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just just sort of based on the the aesthetic of it and the, I guess the types of characters and and um, you know just the just the setting itself felt much more like a seventies film than a than an eighties film, but it was definitely like still evocative of that particular time in New York before it oh, sort definitely. of got cleaned up. But yeah. you know, I I lived in New York for four years, and I can tell you that the South Bronx is in in many parts and in many ways is still not the safest place in the world. And I'm not going to say I'm, it's sure. as, I'm not going to say it's as bad as as it was portrayed in this film, but um, you know, mm-hmm. to some extent, not not a whole lot has changed in terms of the the socioeconomic um, class yeah. that that resides there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's interesting to know too. Um, yeah. yeah, so so you have a, a a pretty you know eye appealing setting if if you're someone who enjoys kind of looking at this you know a, a completely different world from what you're used to seeing. I'm sure around all of us, mm-hmm. and uh, you you basically have it in us against them and the uh, all the street punks mostly kind of take like the first few floors and all the people that live in the tenement lit, you know, they, they're trying to defend themselves from, you know, up, up a couple of stairs. Cause it's kind of like an apartment complex where you have winding stairs going up. So they, they have a, a whole section blocked off with, you know, different various items trying to keep them down. So you just have, it's a, uh, it's, it's basically like a fight of survival for the rest of the movie. Now the, the film has a lot of uh, recognizable faces, mm-hmm. like as far as, especially as the, far as the punks go, you have Dan Snow, who uh, I think everyone who has ever seen a toxic Avenger movie would know a cigar face. And I think he's played that yeah. character a few times. That might be like really all he's really done is play cigar face. And he, he's pretty recognizable because he has like that chain coming off of his face and the bald head. And oh yeah. He just looks like he was that kind of guy anyways, always, you know, yeah, that, that, ear, that ear, ear to nose chain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was big back then, you know? Yeah. I'm surprised I'm surprised it's not still around, right? I haven't seen that in a while. I might have to bring it back. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, what, what, one of my favorites is uh, Karen Russell, who, who uh, plays Chula, who I find to be quite attractive despite being kind of scary at the same time. Yeah, but, uh, she was alternatively, <laughs> you know, a re- obviously a repugnant person, but obviously an attractive female as well. Yeah, and she definitely plays that 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 very you know sexualness mm-hmm. of her character uh, very well too. She's like one of those characters you 
you were like, oh, she's attractive, but you're scared of her still. But you'd still like maybe. Terrified, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like you're like, oh, I'd, I'd probably still sleep with her. You might, <laughs> you might get murdered, but oh, I'm horny, so it's worth it. You don't really think clearly when you're horny. Um, yeah, but she, and, and she's been in a few things too. Like I, I was looking at her IMDb and she was in Vice Academy and uh, Memorial Valley Massacre, which is a, which I've seen. It's a caveman slasher flick and it's not very good. But, Wait, um, a, a caveman slasher flick? Yeah, it's not. It's 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 pretty poor, but yeah, it's it's a caveman slasher flick. So if Sounds if you're amazing. If, yeah, oh amazing. yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think probably the most recognizable person in this film is uh, Paul Calderon. If that's mm-hmm. how you say Cal- Calderon, and he plays Hector, and he's probably best known for he's he's been in a lot of television, and I always know him best from uh, he's in Four Rooms and he's in Pulp Fiction. He's a guy who says, "My name is Paul," and this is between y'all. Yep. To uh, Bruce Willis and uh, what's his face there. So, so he's very—he's definitely the most recognizable and successful actor. When I think came out of this, and it should be said, he's probably the scariest guy out of all of them too, which is interesting because he's—he's kind of like the second in command to uh, to Chaco. Yeah, but I—I I mean, his his screen presence is such that mm-hmm. you could you could easily see him as the leader of the gang too, right? Of, if, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he is. He he's a very vicious and mean guy, and, and you know, you, you have to talk about Chaco because he is obviously a leader. And Chaco has a look, mm-hmm. but Chaco is, you know, he's kind of the guy who's already proven himself. So he's kind of laid back and lets everyone else do the dirty work. And Hector, he does the dirty work. He he's vicious. He's very frightening, and of course, he's his performance is very strong. I think it's one of the strongest performances in the film, and uh, even his look too, because he early on kills an animal mm-hmm. and uh he covers himself with the animal's blood and he just lets it dry onto his skin and it just gives him such a freaky look especially when you first see it because he pops up and he's under yeah. it and he mm-hmm. looks completely terrifying yeah he, he he gets a few great moments like like for how he's photographed a few times because that moment there's a couple other moments too we get close-ups of his face and he's got a very scary look in his eyes and, and he's he's responsible for probably 70 percent of the violence and yeah. it's and, and there's some pretty brutal moments with him so he, he's he was a lot of fun to watch i think as far as the street punks go yeah because he's you know chaco has these moments of sort of <laughs> like quiet you know he he'll he'll be set back and and then he'll mm-hmm. and then he'll pop off and he'll explode yeah in, yeah you know in, in terms of emotion but like hector is like turned up to 11 the entire always. film yeah he's always like that yeah yeah and of course, Chaco, who is the leader of the gang, and he's he's uh, played by Enrique Sandino, um, <laughs> and, and, and he is he's very quiet, and it, you know the, the quiet, silent type. Like I say, he's probably he's proved himself. You know, mm-hmm. he lets all his crazy minions, you know, they're under his reign. They cause all the chaos, and once in a while, he does kind of pop off and start going nuts here and there when, when he gets really angry. But it's probably good. You know, he's definitely the strongest silent type. It's probably good because. He's not the best actor, and his voice is not really good either <laughs> at yeah, all. Yeah, there were a, a few times when he was, you know, when, when we're talking about him popping off occasionally, he's usually, like, screaming to, mm-hmm. the, to the tenants above him um, yeah. as they're sort of, because um, this is kind of a siege film mm-hmm. in many ways, but he'll be screaming at the uh, the tenants upstairs, and I'm going to kill you anytime, anytime I want, and yeah. Uh, there's, there's at one point the gang is sort of I think they're sitting around smoking weed on um, <laughs> while sitting down on tires. Yeah, and he says uh, uh, he says my dream is full of blood. I'm gonna get my building back. 
and he's like hearing voices with like this psychedelic rock playing in the background it's just amazing and the camera's spinning around him too i think the camera stays on him but he's spinning around like in a circle over and over again he's saying it you know my my head is full of blood in in his voice because he his voice is very you know unintimidating and he kind of he kind of almost looks like a 12 year old boy in a way like how he talks and his haircut and everything too he kind of looked like uh judd nelson in um breakfast club <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he he also does have uh he he refers to himself in the third person a lot he says two different times he, he one time he says no one leaves chuckle and then another one no one dares chuckle so he's just <laughs> he's entertaining in a very different way than uh <clears throat> than hector is so you have two very different characters there and uh it should be said too that chaco really rocks that open the open shirt you know, oh, the leather vest he, with no shirt. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's he has the open chest. He brings it to a whole new level. So it is, and he is almost completely hairless too. It should be. Fun. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta wonder if it's because he's is he a twelve year old boy or is he just he, shaved? He very well may be. Maybe it's burned off in a fire. No one burns chuckle. <laughs> I also just really quickly want to acknowledge the the elephant in the room, and it's. I, I was just gonna say that it's like really hard to go through this movie and keep hearing Chaco without thinking of Chaco Taco. Chaco, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard. Eats chula's taco, <laughs> exactly. And he very nearly does at one point in the film. Mm-hmm. He sure does. So, yeah. Um, and so, you, so as far as like the, the actual tenements go, you have Rojas, who is the, the landlord, and he really he's no better than mm-hmm. these people because he might be a landlord, he might be being attacked by them, but the conditions that the actual tenants live in is awful. Awful. And he's yeah. the landlord, and he's partially responsible for that. Sure, you have a low-income house housing; it's not going to be, you know, the rats. But right. he, this place is not taken care of. There are rats. This place is falling apart. It's not a suitable place for to live in, and he, yeah. it's that's his fault. He's obviously not a good landlord. He's just a scumbag and a, and a liar, and he does a lot of things that are just pretty deplorable as a, as a person. So I find him to be kind of an interesting character because he's he he might be a victim but he's not he's just as much of an oppressor i guess to these uh people who live in the apartment complex yeah he's a, he's a total shitbag at at different points um mm. and i it should be said larry lara who played uh, rojas uh, did not work again this is his only film <laughs> yeah, i noticed that <laughs> and there's a part and case in point um he gets hit with a a bottle yeah and then just goes oh my god and then just screams and and there are parts where he's just a horrible actor and then there's other parts where he's just a a horrible person (laughs) yeah well yeah he well he gets hit with the bottle by the street gang then he goes in he doesn't want them the the tenants to know that that's what happened so he says something about he was standing up for a, a nun at a church some kids were harassing her and he told them to cut the shit and they fought him and he fought back and he's like, you should have seen what I did to them. I really got them yeah, though. He's a, he's and they're a, all like, that's bullshit. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they're, they've, you can tell that they've been, they've heard this story before, right? Like, cause yeah. this is him just being a glory hog and he's a, he's a guy who likes to tell stories. So yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Gets, he gets put in his place yeah, he on more than one does. occasion. And deservingly so, you know, he's, yeah. he's not, he's not the, he's not the, the best guy at all. Outside, but most of the characters are, are pretty filler, I think, except for there's one character, uh, Mr. Washington, <laughs> Mr. Wa- Mr. Washington, who's played by Joe Lynn. And he, he's kind of a, a, a main character in a way, or at least he's perceived to be because Mr. Washington is, um, he, he's a black guy. He's in very good shape, very strong. He looks mm-hmm. like he might be ex-military. He's got a, 
he's like the silent kind of presence for the, the tenants. I was I was actually waiting for someone to say, "You got to watch out for Washington. He's ex, <laughs> he's ex special forces." Yeah, well, you, know? you, you think that's that's what he is because that's what he looks like, right? And the way they all kind of flock to him for for protection because his name is called so many times because he seems like the only one who could take care of himself. Right, he's the, and, he's uh, their best hope at getting uh, out of this situation. Yeah, because he's in shape. He he he's a strong guy. He's got a good presence. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and it should be said that that Joe Joe Lynn gives a pretty good performance as that character too, but what I really do like about that character also is that, as far as a character goes, and what would you expect from that, you know, the, his character arc, it, it doesn't really go down that road of what you would think. He's kind of a little more insignificant than you would expect, and and I find that kind of an interesting uh, an interesting approach to take because you would certainly expect him to be a specific type of character, a very heroic type of character. And he's right. not so much of a, her- uh, a hero as, uh, as you would be led to believe. Right. He definitely came off as like more detached and unwilling than you would expect him to be. He didn't like, he definitely, you know, helps out and, you know, helps mm-hmm. his, his fellow uh, tenants out um, mm-hmm. during obviously a very desperate situation, but he's also somewhat unwilling and detached. And he kind of doesn't want to be bothered by this because you yeah. kind of, you know, he just wants to read his copy of Ebony magazine and, and play play the saxophone and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there yeah. was there is at one point a, a very brief allusion to the fact that he had a had a wife and child, and we don't really hear much about that. So I think it would have it, w- it would have been nice to learn a little bit more about that character because, as mm-hmm. you said, he he does come off as kind of insignificant, and it's hard to get invested in him not knowing much about him at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he almost doesn't play as much of a role as you would expect him to, and he's almost kind of a hard character to read too. And I don't know if it's necessarily it's a, it's a character's hard to read, or if it's because he the character himself doesn't want to be right. right. He doesn't want to be, you know, he just wants to keep to himself and be the quiet guy who, you know, enjoys his life. And 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 you got to kind of wonder what has he gone through before that he's like this? Does he have some sort of experience? Like where he doesn't want to deal with this kind of thing because he knows what could happen or or something. I don't know, but because because you don't really get that deep with him. So yeah, he's really wishy washy, right? And mm-hmm. to use a, a basketball metaphor, um, I don't know if you know who Jeff Green is, but Jeff Green is a guy mm-hmm. who can who can hang forty points a night, um, but then you know in the next game we'll have like eight points or something like yeah. that. So he, yeah. he's not one of those LeBron yeah. Durants of the world. Yeah. In terms of exploitation heroes, I guess. But he's sort of like that Jeff Green who can like take over in spurts and be the guy in spurts, but he doesn't really want to be that number one guy, put the ball in my hands, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to be the go-to guy every time. Right. So, you know, as I said, this film is probably the definition of sleaze. It's mm-hmm. very, very sleazy through and through. And, uh, I mean, of course, it's an 80s gang movie. It, it, there's humor to it, and that's inherent to a low-budget film like this. But overall, it is a very harsh film, and, and you do get a pretty pretty brutal rape scene. That yeah. when it starts off, it's it doesn't seem too. It seems different than some rape scenes because you don't get any nudity, which right. is different. You don't. You usually have some nudity. It's not sexualized in any way. But there are some pretty brutal things that happen as far as like actual physical violence to the mm-hmm. woman it happens to. And there's a, a foreign object is also used on her, and that's it's. It, but by the end of that scene, you're like these people they they play for keeps for sure. Yeah, you know they they are not screwing around, and it it set it sets a strong tone for just how bad these people are. Oh, for sure, and I and I felt that that scene in particular really like escalated the film and um, mm-hmm. it it made the gang, which by that point was just sort of this 
sort of ragtag group and you didn't really get a sense of how dangerous they were. And then this scene happens and you know exactly what the fuck you're dealing with in terms of the the lengths that they're willing to go in order to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It really sets the tone for, for who they are and, and, and how far they will go. Because before that, I mean, they're obviously violent, bad people, but you don't know how violent and bad they can be and what they're capable of. Right. And, and they almost come off like in the early scenes as kind of just like these drugged out goofballs. And then mm-hmm. this scene is like, oh, shit, like these motherfuckers are serious here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they are very uh, drug addled, too. There's a lot of scenes of them using using drugs, which is pretty funny because it's surprising that they're able to like, well, I guess they do use angel dust at one point. So they but do. They're, yeah, they're, 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 they'll, they'll take anything they can get their hands on pretty much. So. Which I, but that's got to be a great life, just living in basements and just doing drugs all day. You know, I pay rent or anything. It's like I was thinking, like, man, maybe maybe it's not such a bad idea, huh? To start up a gang. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna quit quit my job and live the life of a yeah a drug addled vagrant. So why not? Yeah, <laughs> as, as long as Chula's there, I'd be I'd be into it. Hey, I'm um, on board if Chula's there. Yeah, that's right. So, um, the, the, I don't know if you know the term Chekhov's gun. It's like the, the film term, but it's, 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 it's used to describe an item that's introduced in the film mm-hmm. that, you know, will play in later on. And there's a lot of that in this film. You have yeah. uh, like whole segments where there's, you know, what one rat poison is, is talked about or, or boiling water, mm-hmm. a carving knife. And each time these items are mentioned up, there's like an adult or someone saying, you know, don't touch that. Cause you can get cut or burned and things like that. And, and those obviously like, I always kind of like those moments cause you know, they're going to get used. And of course they do. Yeah. Uh, d- d- during a, a, a final standoff, for for the most part, you have a, a lot of defense from the, uh, the the tenants until you get to a point when the um, Chaco and his gang aren't gonna, you know, because they they're mostly kind of laid back. I think for 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 a big portion of the film, they do kind of stay downstairs. They don't try to attack the tenants very much. They kind of just hang out down there and kind of party a little bit and it's not until they really get amped up and ready to go is when they go after them and that's when things really begin to pop off that's not really towards the end of the film that's not to say it's not it's that it's a slow film or anything at any point but you know things really really pick up when they decide they want to attack because it's almost like they're just letting them stay up there because they know they're not going to go anywhere and they know they can go up anytime they want and they just decide to go up to when they want to go up there right exactly and that speaks to not just the sort of logistics and the layout of the building, mm-hmm. um, but it also speaks to probably, you know, the gang's arrogance and they know that they can take their time and they have all night mm-hmm. um, to do what they want. And they're sort of like, they're moving up each level of the tenement building yeah. um, and sort of like raiding different apartments and stuff and taking what mm-hmm. they want and looking for drugs and drinking Manischewitz wine. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they're taking their time and um so so i think as far as notes that's what i pretty much have so i don't know uh, whatever else you would like to add to the the tenement like you said there's a lot of you know good interesting and um for a lot of people familiar faces in this one um i thought it was great that in both the gang and the um the residents that it was definitely like multicultural and you got a sense mm-hmm. of like you know for instance there's like an old Jewish widow and there's a um there's a, a Hispanic mother and daughter the daughter is actually pregnant and you just like get this good cross section of of the population and the interesting thing about this film for me was even though the gang and these people who live in this building are probably occupying similar places on the 
the socioeconomic scale, mm -hmm. you have one set that's like a gang of like drug-addled, raving lunatics, and the others are, you know, they're elderly or they're alone or they're towards mm -hmm. the end of life. They're or maybe they're down on their luck, um, and it, and it really helps to underscore the heroics of the tenants, knowing that, you know, even though these this gang is, um, you know, doing evil shit, um, they're sort of all along that sort of same economic um, level. Yeah, ways, yeah, so. I, yeah. I, I think that is one of the strengths of the film too. Is that the these people are in a shitty situation, right? The, 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 the tenants are because you know they're poor or or they're old or disabled or they just had a, a hard life. And that's how it is. And, right. In, in in basically having these people who who probably are of you know the, who are really no different than them, but just you know they're just scumbags basically. Right. They, uh, outside of that, their pride in each other, they don't have anything. You know, and, and even, you know, this apartment building is a complete dump, but it's their dump. So right. having these street punks trying to, to invade it is just, you know, how, how far can you be pushed when you already have very little? Right. You know, when you're already being held down by, by you know, whatever is dealt you, you know, the, the raw hand who might have been dealt in life or or, or, what, or whatever. And, and now other people are trying to take everything you have and leave you with nothing, trying to take your life basically in your home. Yeah, and I think Finlay does a great job of sort of underscoring the desperation on both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, the the only other thing I was, you know, wanted to mention was the the sort of timestamps that are used periodically yes. throughout the film. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciated that, like you know, the first few times around that um, Finlay was trying to orient the viewer on like when things were occurring in relation to one another. Um, but I found that after like maybe the first three times it got to be like really tedious and completely unnecessary. And I didn't, mm -hmm. I, I didn't need that sort of that timestamp to sort of situate me in terms of like how the plot was unfolding or how, you know, where characters were and when. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it, it might've been fine just for, you know, when you first meet the punks, you know, when they're in jail, then when they right. come back and maybe like one, one more time, but to do more than that is kind of because you know it's 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 the, this film is is a one nighter. It's it is mm -hmm. it's a siege film, takes place in one night, so you don't really need to know what time it is or or anything. So, <clears throat> right, um, I think we've covered just about everything. So if we want to get into awesome. uh, make or breaks or MVTs, sounds good. Would you like me to go first, sir? Yeah, please do. Sure. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, my make or break. See, I don't think there's too many scenes that necessarily stand out much outside of uh, a few kind of funnier moments. But I think for me, the 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 make or break or my make is the face off at the end when the the tenants get their chance to fight back against the hood, and that's when you see things like boiling water being poured onto them. And and there's a great moment where a character is killed by a refrigerator as they're coming up the stairs. And um, and there's also uh, I won't say anything but lightning. <laughs> so, which is which is a really uh funny moment but really great too so so i, I found that to be w one of the most enjoyable aspects of the film my mvt is actually just the overall vicious tone of the film the the the, the south bronx setting and uh you know like i said it, it, it can be a silly film at time that's what you would kind of expect from this low budget exploitation film from you know the 80s but mm -hmm. it, it's such a mean-spirited and violent film and the setting is unforgiven it feels like a war zone and just that that whole look of it the feel of it it just really works because it's just like this film is exploitation through and through and it looks like it it feels like it and uh <clears throat> for my score i give it a 7.75 nice. i think it's um I think it's a pretty underrated or at least underknown exploitation film. 
Um, and it's definitely worthy of mentioning when you talk when it comes to talk about you know some of the better exploitation films because I, I you don't hear it talked about much, and uh, and I've always found it to be it's 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 probably not at the top of the list in any way, but it's certainly on the short list as far as uh, this type of film goes. So yeah, seven point seven five. Nice. <clears throat> Um, my make or break scene is the, um, there's a scene where, uh, Hector and, uh, oh gosh, I don't remember his name, but they go into a kitchen. And oh yeah. That's uh, Dan Snow. Or... Dan Snow. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going after, uh, this guy, Papa, who's like a, he's sort of like this heroin junkie and they're, they go into that apartment looking for drugs <clears throat> and that whole just kitchen sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like very like rough and tumble. Like they, they, they get rough with Papo and they throw him into a stove and yeah. they start, uh, <laughs> what I, what I thought was really funny is that, um, Dan Snow, uh, lights a candle <laughs> to cook his heroin. He doesn't, he, he doesn't apply the heat directly to the spoon. I know. Um, but it's that, funny cause I, I, I that, that was actually one of the scenes I almost picked before I, before I, before yeah. I, the ending was uh, that scene cause it's a good scene. Yeah. It, it's very gritty and, in rough and in nasty and uh, mm-hmm. and like, like we've said mean-spirited as well which is sort of the tone throughout the majority of the film um my yeah. mvt is is just the atmosphere i thought it felt yeah. you know just very gritty and and real and uh in both term in terms of both mood and aesthetic um mm-hmm. it's it feels like even though we're in this um huge tenement building maybe six flights or more or whatever it feels very claustrophobic and yes and stifled and and sweaty and you know <laughs> you're in the middle of august in 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 the bronx um probably not with air conditioning and all the kind of perks that you're used to definitely not. having in a modern apartment building so yeah it's just it, it in terms of like evocative mood it was it was great um so very atmospheric very very authentic feeling my score is a 7.25 so nice. I'm, I'm in i'm within that same range as you um this was my first time watching it and um i, I was really glad to have seen it um this is sort of like maybe mid to late cycle in mm-hmm. terms of like exploitation film but yeah i thought finlay just handled all the elements really well and it should be said that finlay is from the south bronx yes yeah um, she, she she has a great interview on the DVD. If if you picked up the DVD, um, I did. Yeah, edition. yeah. She has some good interviews and there's commentary too. And and she definitely she 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 brings it to life. I think because she knows the area. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually did listen to some of that commentary, and she has mm-hmm. a, a pretty funny quip about um, one of her camera operators needing to use the bathroom. And, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they were on such a tight shooting schedule, or or she just wanted to to ring every last. Um, you know, minute of everyone's day mm-hmm. into the production. So he actually ended up pissing himself while, yeah. while, while filming. Cause she wouldn't let him go to, go to the bathroom. Yes. It's yeah. Pretty wild. It's, it's pretty, it's, that's kind of fitting to this film, I believe. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a piss covered sweaty. Just, film. It, it really is completely piss covered and bloody and sweaty and filthy. Definitely. But wonderful too. Mm-hmm. In many ways. Awesome. Glad cool, you enjoyed man. it. Yeah. Good pick. All right. So I think without any further ado, we have, one last thing to say before we go. Adios. Chaco says adios. Sometimes it's not safe in your house. There's nothing on earth that'll keep them out. They'll break in your crib and rape your wife. And if you're lucky, you'll get away with your life. The violence and destruction these hoolums make is more than anyone could possibly take. Everything they touch always turns to dirt. And everyone they meet, they usually hurt. As long as you can bend to their demands, your soul will always be in their command. You gotta fight back with all of your might, cause if you don't, you'll be running for the rest of your life. The only way that-